Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to about 6,000 verses because I don't, I don't have... Uh, <laughs> I told the first service I don't have a text today because we're going to go through a lot of Scripture today. And I have no points, so this is a pointless sermon. So... <laughs> But I do believe uh, this is an important uh, sermon because I, I, believe, I believe this is the mind of God. And so today what I want to do is I want to uh, I wanna stir your hearts. I want, I, want to, uh, I want to stir you a little bit. I, and, and, and quite frankly, I hope what I could do is get you a little bit out of your comfort zone. Um, I'm going to try to pull on you a little bit. And so... I want you to, I, I really want you to be open-minded here, and I want you to think about this with me, because I believe God is calling His church right now to walk in the supernatural. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that we are now facing uh, problems and situations and circumstances that call for a supernatural answer. Can you say amen? amen. And we are the people of God that should be walking in the supernatural, all throughout Jesus' ministry, he continually, I want you to think about this, Jesus continually instructed his disciples to do, to do the extraordinary. Think about that statement for a moment. There was nothing that Jesus ever instructed his disciples to do that was ordinary. Think about just the times when Jesus said, hey, we, you know, we've had this big meeting. We got 5,000 men plus all their wives and children, so probably close to 15,000 people. We need to feed them lunch. And the disciples are looking around going, did anybody even bring lunch, first of all? And he says, yeah, we have a few loaves of bread and fish. And Jesus goes, perfect. We're going to feed them lunch. That was extraordinary. Can you say amen? Not only did they feed them lunch, but they picked up 11 baskets of food afterwards. It's amazing. He just blow, and he didn't do it. It was not just one time he did that. He did it another time with 4,000 men and their wives and children. I mean, he, this was something he was setting a standard. Even in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus told them to go preach the gospel to the house of Israel, he said this in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. He goes, as you go preaching, say the kingdom of, he kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Jesus set the standard everywhere he went was a demonstration of the power of God. He healed the sick. He set the captive free. He made a way where there was no way. He extended grace. He brought hope to a hopeless generation. And he transformed the lives of those that would receive him. And you know what? He didn't stop there. Because he spoke to his disciples and he says, whatever you see me doing, you guys not only can do that, but you can do greater than that. Listen to John 14, 12. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. As he was establishing the Great Commission, he said these words, listen, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 20 says, and then he told them, 
Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink any poisonous, anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they shall be healed. When the Lord had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord, listen, the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Jesus is establishing a pattern. Can you say amen? And then, just before he ascended into heaven, his, he told his disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This, what we are talking about, is a promise from God to us, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then in verse eight, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God help us, church if we do anything without the power of God. We are called to be a supernatural people. We are called to walk in the supernatural. We are called to demonstrate the power of God in and through every situation in our lives. Can you say amen? Hudson Taylor, who was one of the first missionaries to China once said this, and I've used it before. You've probably heard me say this, but he said this. He goes, we are a supernatural people born again by a supernatural birth, kept by a supernatural power, sustained on supernatural food, taught by a supernatural teacher from a supernatural book. There is no doubt in my mind this morning that there is right now a mandate from heaven that exists today, that rests on the church and the people of God to walk in the supernatural. Listen, I'm going to make a very bold, aggressive statement. We owe it to this world. We owe it to our community to walk daily in the supernatural so others can experience the same supernatural encounter we have received from God ourselves. If you are here today and Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and you have received him as Lord and Savior, then you have received the greatest miracle known to mankind, and that is the transformation of a soul. You were an old creature and you became brand new. You were filled with sin and now you are right before God. You were dead, but you've been made alive. And that is a supernatural work and you are a supernatural person. Can you say amen? But here's the million-dollar question. Do you, and please don't answer it. I want you to think about it. 
So don't, don't, because I'm going to tell you, as soon as I ask the question, there's going to be people yelling out, yes, don't do it. But here's the million dollar question. Do you believe miracles still occur? Thank you. In a church like ours, it is quick, it is easy to be quick to answer yes. We believe in that. We know that. We talk about it. But is it what we believe or is it what we would like to believe? In theory, we believe in miracles. Come on now. I'm getting down in the nitty-gritty. But in practice, we don't. In theory, we believe in healing, but in practice, we don't. In theory, we believe God will deliver, but in practice, we don't. What does that mean? That means that when we are pushed into a corner, oftentimes we will spend a lot of energy looking for some other avenue of fixing the problem than a miraculous move of God. And I know there's people that will come to me and they'll look at me and they'll go, well, when I get into that corner, I don't see God moving. I don't see that he has done anything for me. I don't feel his presence. I don't see him answering a prayer. And I think part of that is, is because that's the mindset we carry. See, I have no problem believing God will move for you, but I have a lot harder problem believing God will move for me. So I've had to make some decisions in my life that regardless of what I see, regardless of what my, bi- my body tells me, regardless what I feel in my body, I am going to believe the word of God in spite of it. If the Bible says that my God is a healer. I don't care what I feel. I'm healed, period. My God is a provider, and I don't care what my checkbook says. It could say negative $100, but God is my provider. He is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. If you want the testimony, you're going to have to go through the test. And sometimes what you got to do is in the midst of the darkness and the blackness of life, you got to look at it, and you got to allow the light of God to shine through you. You might be the flashlight in this world, and you will have to allow the power of God to go through you to change those circumstances. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. We have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. And I know sometimes that choice is difficult. The other day I was driving down the road. My knee was hurting. I could feel it. It was hurting. And I was wanting to get that, you know, woe is me thing going on. Why does always this happening to me? How come I got to go through this? Why can't I see anything different? And I shut that down and I told it out loud in my truck, shut your mouth. Then what I did is I said, my God is my healer. And this is where it says in Psalms 103.3, it says, forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. Psalm 107.20 says, he sent the word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Isaiah 53.5 says, he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him and by his stripes, I am healed. I am healed. It is the identity of my life. I don't go by what I feel. I go by what I know in the word of God. And I refuse uh, to allow my body or the devil or circumstances to dictate what I believe. I believe the word of God, period. 
And I will confess that in my, to the very last breath. And then I will come through those gates of heaven celebrating that my God has been everything he said he would be. Many have convinced themselves that we could never see a miracle today or the supernatural. And somehow we've limited God in all his glory and we've made him powerless. But thank God, in spite of all of that, he still works miracles through the body of Christ. Thank God he still wants to. Can you say amen? Listen to me, God is supernatural. Why? Because he is the same God who created the heavens and the earth with nothing but his words. He is still the same God who breathed life into a man and he became a living soul. He is the same God who parted the Red Sea and delivered Israel. He is the same God who sent his son to die for our sins and set us free from that sinful life. And he is the same God who raised that son from the dead and defeated Satan. He is the same God who continues to work in and through our lives every day. Amen. He is the same God. And as his people, as his children, we have the awesome right and privilege and responsibility to walk in the supernatural, in the miracle working power of God because we are called to be supernatural. So let's think about that for a moment. And let's look at some scripture. I've kept these in the context. I've kept these verses in their context complete context, because it's important that you understand that I am not pulling them out to create a pretext. I'm showing you what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20 in the New Living Translation says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the wonderful, fu wonderful future he has promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same, this is the same, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Did you catch that this morning? Paul's prayer is that we would understand the power that raised Christ from the dead. We would cause, call that resurrection power, that we would understand it is the same power that works for us, in us, and through us. Can you say amen? That word understand doesn't merely mean to have a mental ascent, but it means to experience firsthand. We are not talking about a theological understanding. We are talking about an experiential understanding of the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. 
In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 20, New Living Translation again, it says, When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will more and more at home, be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, to experience, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled, listen, then you will be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. Listen to those words. Listen. By his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. See, church, we live in a world filled with words, but very little power. There are churches and programs and self-help groups all proclaiming that they have the answer. And multitudes flock to these places with little to no change. Why? Because there's really no power in it. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 5 says this, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. In other words, it's possible to look good, to look godly but have no power. This ought not to be so, because listen to these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. In other words, he goes, I just didn't talk a good game. I was able to back it up with power. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and much assurance. Did I just read that one? Ah, wow, I'm getting lost. 1 Corinthians 4.20 actually says this, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What he is saying is there is a lot more to this than just talk. We got to stop talking a good game. We got to start walking a good game. I have said this before, and I will say it again. The tragedy is we become nothing more than a referral service. Think about the demoniac. Think about the demoniac. The demoniac was out of his mind. When he finally came to Jesus, and Jesus said, Who are you? He said, We're legion, for there are many. Some say two to 5,000 demons. This is a guy with some real problems. And all the world knew to do. Go, go back and look at it. You can look at it in Matthew and Luke. You can read it. In, I, I don't know if it's in Mark, but you can read it. And the demoniac is there. And, and all they knew to do was chain him up to a tree. But that didn't even work because he broke the chains. And he would run amok again. And isn't that just like our world? All they know to do is put us further in bondage. So what they do is what's called behavior modification through drug induction. And it becomes the modern day chain. 
And I get it. I understand that there are times, and I'm not against medical science or doctors or prescriptions, but I understand also there are times that what we need is not a prescription. What we need is a revelation. What we need is a deliverance. What we need is an encounter with a living God. Can you say amen? What we need is we need somebody that has some power. We need somebody that believes the book. Are you hearing me? See, what this man, what this demoniac did not need is he didn't need a doctor that day. He didn't need a counselor. He didn't need another program. He needed a supernatural encounter with Jesus. And that's what we owe this world. You say, why do I owe it? Because you're filled with it. This is what the world is looking for. It's what you and I are looking for. A supernatural power that will change the unchangeable. That will heal the incurable. That will love the unlovable. We are looking for a supernatural God with a supernatural power to take on our impossible situations. Listen to Romans 15, 18 and 19. It says, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. Listen, they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Eilicrium. What does that mean? That means it wasn't enough just to present the gospel, that there needed to be a demonstration of power. The gospel is power. It's the power of God unto salvation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The New Testament church was born in a prayer meeting filled with the power of God. There was no therapy session. There was no prescription. There was no program that could fix them. But there was a power of God. Only the power of God can make a lasting difference. You know what the problem for many of us is? Is God's too small. He's just too small. Or worse yet, we have no problem believing in his ability. We're just not sure about his willingness. I've determined in my life, and I, 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 keep, I keep coming back to this, and so I'm going to have to think about this and pray about this because I don't know if this is God saying something, but I keep coming back that one of the secrets to this or one of the keys to entering into this is to stop caring about results. You say, what do you mean? Is, see, I'm a very logical, my natural mind is very logical. I understand the flow of things. I'm a good electrician. You say, why is that? Because I get it. I get how the thing flows. I, I can read schematics really easy because I, I can see it in my head. I can see how the flow works. If I, go to my, if I go into my office and I hit the switch and the light doesn't come on, I don't go, what happened? I immediately think, is the power out? 
Immediately, somebody turned the power. Did we, Rosemary, did we pay the bill? And then if she goes, yeah, we paid the bill, and I look out oh, in the inner office, the power's on. Okay, what's happening? Something's wrong with the switch. Something's wrong with the wire. Did the light bulb burn out? Because I could trace it out. I think it. And so what happens is what we do is we become very logical, and we go, well, I prayed this prayer, and God ought to move. But the problem is, church, we're just not convinced the prayer's any good. Or we're unsure about his will in the matter. Does God really still want to heal? This is the thing that here, I'm, I, man, I'm getting off the notes, but that's all right. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you something about healing. The Bible says that his body was broken. It says this, Isaiah 53, 5, it's the prophecy, by his stripes. And that, that, see, the Bible sterilizes a little bit. It was deep gouges of flesh ripped out of his body. That's the stripes. By the blows. By the wounding of his flesh, the breaking of his body, he paid the price. Wouldn't it be kind of foolish to pay an ultimate price only to be capricious about its distribution? I don't know if I want to heal today. Yeah, I I know, I, I submitted to that horrific beating. And I did that to pay the price, but I, I just, I don't like you much, so I'm not going to heal you. Or better yet, how about this? How about this? Healing is to the body what salvation is to the soul. By his body, we are healed. By the breaking of his body, we're healed. By the shedding of his blood, we're saved. Right? So then people come up with a theory, well, I am sick because he's teaching me something. Well, I'm in sin because he wants to teach me something. Don't work, does it? It's like, yeah, 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 I went out and I robbed a bank because God made me so I could learn a lesson. It it doesn't pass the test, does it? It's like, oh, no, God gave me cancer because he just wants me to learn something. He wants me to learn patience. Now, you might learn patience through it. You might learn a whole lot of things through all that befall you, but it's not up in, it's not, God's not up in heaven twisting knobs going, okay, I'm going to make you really, you got COVID because you're going to learn. Here, where, where, is, where is Owen? Has anybody ever seen Owen, how cute he is? Come here, Owen. I'm going to show you what it's like to touch a hot stove. That's child abuse. I'm going to show you what it's like to get sick. It doesn't fit, does it? God's not a child abuser. He's a good father. And so I believe what we need to do is we need to come to a place where we stop questioning. When we come to that place and we go, I don't care anymore. I choose to believe you regardless of the results. I'm done. I'm done. I've settled the issue. That's what faith is. I've settled it. It's over. I'm done. He's my healer. He's my provider. He is my Lord and my God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is there with me. He does not leave me or forsake me. I don't care if I feel alone. I don't care what is going on around me. This is who he is in me. Period. Because what I see will change. It's temporary. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, what I see 
is temporary, but what I don't see is eternal. So I'm not going to go by what I see because what I see is constantly changing. What I don't see is he does not change. I can't see that with my natural eyes, so I trust that. We should be contending for God's best. Can you say amen? amen? Listen to Acts chapter 4, 29 through 31. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. This is the disciples. They're praying. They've been persecuted a little bit. And they say, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Those believers were not petitioning God so that they could have a better ability to preach. They were asking God to confirm with signs and wonders what they were already preaching. This is what's available to us as believers. We are called, church, to be supernatural. So here is the question. So how do we become a supernatural people? How do we walk in the supernatural? Well, first, first and foremost, I think you have to understand this. It is less about becoming and more about walking. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me say this to you. By virtue of the abiding presence of God in you, you are supernatural. Amen. Let me say that again. Amen. By the virtue of the abiding presence of God in you, you are supernatural. I'm going to say that again. I'll say it probably about six times before it's over. By God being in you, you are supernatural. You are supernatural. You are supernatural. God is in you. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him, we've read this once before, but we're going to read it again in the, in the King, New King James. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or have. Stop. Exceedingly abundantly above. I got a great imagination. I can, man, I can think big. According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Think about the phrase. Think about the phrase, according to the power that works in us. The Greek word for according. The Greek word that is translated according describes a downward force or something that is dominating or conquering. By using the word, by using that particular Greek word, what Paul is saying is we have been conquered, we have been dominated, and we have been forced into this place of power. It has literally become a part of us. It has been infused. Probably a good picture of this is like if you take a white piece of cloth and put it into red dye. 
it will never be white again. If you take blue Kool-Aid and put it in yellow Kool-Aid, it'll have green Kool-Aid. You will never have blue. You'll never have green. Or did I say it right? Yellow. Did I get it wrong? Blue and yellow. If you have blue and yellow, it makes green. You can't separate them. That power is in you. If you're saved, the power is in you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has made a habitation in your life. It has become a part of you. Number two, we have to be willing to step out in faith and take a risk. We need to be people who dare to believe what the Bible tells us about the power at work in us. I am by nature, my natural person, my personality is cautious by nature. I tend to be cautious. I tend to look before I leap. My son Andrew tends not to be cautious. He tends to leap before he looks. It's just who we are. It's not one's better than the other, it's just that we're different. I could tell you that sometimes Andrew gets himself in a lot of trouble. Because on the way down, he's looking up at me going, should have probably thought this through. And sometimes the problem with me is I need a Mack truck to push me off the ledge. Because I don't do nothing. But we got to learn to take a risk. We got to learn to step out. You say, what do you mean by that? I can't, I, I can't see the supernatural. Don't, you look at it. We're not asking you to part the Red Sea today. What we're asking you to do, maybe, maybe somebody in your office, maybe somebody at work comes up and just walks up. They don't even ask you. They're not, they're not maybe, maybe you're a construction worker or, or whatever, but they walk in and they go, man, I got a headache today. Here's how you take a risk. You go, hey, really? You got a headache? Is that bothering you? Yeah, man. Well, well, come here. If you're a construction worker, go behind the porta potty if you're working in an office, go into some corner and go, I'll tell you what, I believe Jesus can take that headache away. I know it's not cancer, but look at if you got a headache and your headache's taken away, you're happy. You say, you know what, I believe God could take that headache away. Let me pray for you. He goes, what if it don't happen? Let me ask you, what if it does? It's just possible. It, you know what, there's two sides of this coin. It might not happen. It might just happen. Maybe if you stepped out, maybe if you took the risk and said, you know what, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm in charge of praying. You're in charge of the results. My job is to pray. Your job is to heal. And I'll stay in my lane, and God, you stay in your lane. What if we just took the risk? What would we see? There's probably a couple hundred people here today. What would happen if all of us just decided to take a risk? We literally could change Kingman, Arizona. We literally could see a revival that could change the world. Amen. We have to take a risk. Peter was a guy that took a risk. A lot of people get down on Peter because he sunk. I look at it, he walked two feet on water. I've never walked two feet on water. I haven't taken one step. The last time I tried it, I was a little kid and ran off a diving board and sunk immediately. But Peter actually walked on the water. 
I know he got his eyes on the storm and he got doubtful and he began to sink, but thank God Jesus was there. And if you read the story, he grabbed him by the hand and immediately they were in the boat on the other side. I mean, it was a miracle. They're in the middle of the lake at this point. Peter's walking on the water and Jesus, and he starts to doubt and Jesus, Jesus goes, you did a good job, let's finish this. Click. And they're on the other side. It's an amazing thing. We serve a good God. You have to be willing to take a risk. we got to be filled with the Word of God. I think one of the reasons that we don't see the power is because we don't understand that the power of God is, is invested in His Word. Listen to John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Think of the implications of that statement. Well, I don't, I don't understand the word. Me either. But I read it every day. I don't understand it, but I'm getting there. I'm starting to get there. I'm starting to see things. Put the word in. Feed on it every day. Number four. Jason, you can come if you want. We need to be prayed up. Prayer is invading the impossible church. That's what prayer is about. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 says this. this the, see, these words are put in there for us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You should celebrate that statement. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. He prayed. I think sometimes what we've done, church, is we've reduced prayer to a get out of jail free card. Or we've made it just kind of like a quick fix. But what, what God intended, I believe, is God intended to have this relationship, this mutual partnership, that he would work through us and in us, and that his power would be displayed through us. But most of the time, we only ever go to him unless we're in trouble. I'm learning how to have conversations with him. Talk to him about my day. I always have what I call a debriefing after office hours. I get in my truck. I'm usually alone. I start driving. I go, well, that was a day, Lord. Did you see that happen? I'm not sure why this happened. Will you help me with this, Lord? I need your wisdom. And I talk to him, just like I talk to you. They say, well, that's silly. Well, maybe, but it's working. How many silly things do we do that works? And then finally, as I close, we must be, uh, must be sensitive. I was going to say silly, but 
We must be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. One last passage of scripture, Acts 14, 8 and 10. It says, in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently, and listen, seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped up and walked. What's the point of that? Paul was aware of what was going on around him. I believe Paul was a man that understood that the supernatural power of God lived in him. Amen. I believe Paul was a man that was willing to take a risk. I believe that Paul, obviously, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The Word of God lived in him. And I believe that Paul prayed all the time. And so what this did is it produced a discernment, an ability to be in touch with the Holy Spirit and to see what's going on around him, to know right and wrong, to know what's God, what's not. And it directed him when he should act. And that's what we need. Can you say amen? Church, we need for the people of God to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit and in daily life walk in the supernatural. That's what we need. You know, the thing that, that bothers me, and I say this as I bring this to a close, is that life is getting a lot more complicated. I've been a pastor for quite some time now, and I could tell you the things that I used to counsel versus the things that I counsel now. The things that I deal with and what I see in people and problems are far more sophisticated and, and, and uh, complicated now. I think it's just part of the sign of the times and all that life is going on. And we need supernatural people. We need people that are going to be willing to walk in this. We want revival. But we have to be willing to be the vessels of that revival. Amen? We have to take a risk. We have to step up. Revival will be messy, church. It's, it's not going to be quaint. It's not going to be, you know, we're not going to be able to birth a quaint little Sunday school out of this. Go, everybody, look how sweet everybody is. No, it could be people barely dressed, dirty, stinking, sitting on the floor right here in the altar. And we got to be good with that. And we got to be willing to go, you know what? My God will change you, and you're good just the way you are right now, but God's fixing to change you. And what we're going to do is lay hands on you, and we're going to believe God for you, and we're going to see God move. We're going to see God change your life. The incurable healed, the unlovable loved, the impossible possible. Can you say amen to that? That's what I want. That's what I want. I'm done messing around. I've said this for years. I'm done messing with this stuff. I want it. And let me say something. I'm I'm going to close. You're going to get out of here late. Sorry. Let me just say this. There is a strategy against this. And I'm going to preach a sermon I've already determined. So it'll be coming. But the devil, is want, the devil has a strategy, and his strategy is to lie to you, yes. to convince you that this is not possible. And I'm going to tell you something. 
I know when people look at me, they go, well, you must live just a blessed life. I do live a blessed life. I am very highly favored and blessed. But I want to tell you, I do want to tell you that the devil tries to lie to me. All morning, I've been fighting. And as I'm walking back and forth, and I know this is not popular. Most preachers won't tell you this, but this is the secret. As I'm walking back and forth right here, there's a little voice in my head that's saying, these people don't care. And who are you? Who could, you know what? You don't even have, you're afraid to even do anything. What, what are you doing? Shut, shut up. That's the devil. And the more he talks, the more I'm going to talk. And he's a liar. And you know what he'll say? Oh, I'm going to get you. Well, you can't. You got to ask God's permission. You, you got to go before the throne of God and get permission for that. You can't just get me. I'm a child of God. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I'm a king and priest in the kingdom of heaven. You don't walk into the presence of a king and say, I'm going to get you. You can't. You're a liar. From the very beginning, and people are being lied to today. And the problem is, is the most dangerous lie is the one that has a kernel of truth. And that's the way he operates. He'll put enough truth in it to make it palatable and believable so he can sink the hook. But it's a lie. It's a lie. The devil is defeated. Jesus drug him through the street, naked, bruised, and bleeding, and made an open show of him. That's Bible. That's not my John Poole. He stripped him of his power and his authority. Legally. And if you're the type that needs him to be beat up, then Jesus beat him with a big ugly stick called the cross. Church, we can see revival. But we need to step into the supernatural. Can you say amen? amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you, God. We give you glory. We give you honor. and We love you today. We thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that you have called us to this. And Father, I pray, God, for every person that's in this room right now and everyone that's watching online, Lord, that you would stir within them, God, that you would begin to speak into them, God, truth. God, that we can rise above the lies of the enemy, that we can rise above, God, the things that we see in this world, and we can enter into a realm, God, that's a heavenly realm where your kingdom exists, God, and we can pull down from heaven. In fact, God, that's your prayer as it is in heaven, so it be on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we thank you, God. And I pray, God, stir us in that, Lord, that we may go forward in power and in strength. God, that we may take the risk and practice walking in the supernatural, walking in the very nature that you have given us by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask my ministry team if they would come, come on up front right here for prayer. For the rest of you today, we're going to release you, let you go. If you need prayer of any kind, come on up, let these pray for you. God bless you. You have a great day. We'll see you.
next week. Don't forget, if you can, sign up for that dinner that we're having on, the, on Sunday the 20th, the family Thanksgiving dinner. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.